you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. This morning we'll be looking at verses 14 through 16. My name is Michael. I am the family and children's minister here. And Pastor Adam is out of town. And so it is my privilege this morning to stand before you and and seek to honor God as we look into his word. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. This week, I, uh, earlier in the week, I just knew I was preaching in Acts, and, but the Lord just on Thursday morning really just laid this verse on my heart, and so... Here we are. Let's read God's word together. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let's pray together this morning. Father, would you help us today? Would you help me as I seek to communicate your word? Would you help those who are listening to hear from you? God, in the stillness of this moment, we ask for you to come and you to speak. May you be glorified in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. We are all people in need. In this fallen world, we will face hardships. All of us will face roadblocks and struggles in this life. There will be times of physical needs, times of sickness, times of pain. All of us will hurt physically. There will be times of spiritual need, Times of temptation in which we fall. Times in which we doubt possibly the goodness of our God. There may be times of relational conflict. Times of anxiety for many. Times where few of us may fear for the future and others struggle with regret from the past. 
There may be times for prosperity for us, but those too are a time of need. You may not think you're in danger, but when we seek to forget God, that is when we are in our most dangerous place. There are times of weariness, which are times of need. Weariness, tiredness, fatigue, and burden, which can plague us. We are a people in need. As people who are in such great need, is there anyone or is there anywhere where we can go to receive help? Is there anywhere where we can find grace and receive mercy for our souls? Well, the writer of Hebrews will tell us in these verses this morning that we have a great high priest. We have someone we can draw near to and find help in our time of need. The author of Hebrews is a bit of a mystery. No one knows for sure who it is that the author is, but he writes encouraging words to the Jewish Christians in the midst of suffering not to lose faith and not to fall back into their old ways of Judaism. His theme throughout the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is greater. What we have in Christ is better than anything so therefore you do not need to look back or look any other place but everything you need is in Christ and he shows us this in chapter 1 that Jesus is better than the prophets he continues on and says that Jesus is better than the angels And in chapter 3, he declares that Jesus is better than Moses. And in our verses today, chapter 4, he's going to tell us that Jesus is greater than Aaron, the first high priest of Israel. In our text this morning, I see one main idea. Here is the main idea this morning as we look in these three short verses. Since Jesus is our great high priest, let us hold fast to our confession and draw near to the throne of grace. Since Jesus is our great high priest, let us hold fast fast to our confession and draw near to the throne of grace. This morning, as we walk through this text, I want to point out four truths about how Jesus is our great high priest. And then at the end, we'll make two applications that we see clearly in this text this morning. So let's begin in in verse number 14. The first truth we see about how Jesus is a great high priest is that Jesus is a great high priest because of his work, because 
of his work. Look at verse 14 again. It starts with since then or therefore the author is looking back and connecting to what he has previously stated. It is as if he's drawing a conclusion to the things he had said before. And he states, we have a great high priest. We have. This is a present tense for those who have placed their faith in Jesus and are in Christ. You have a great high priest. Now, what is a high priest, right? You'll have to remember back to the Old Testament and the Old Covenant before Jesus came to earth. The high priest was the supreme religious figure in Israel. He oversaw the the functions of all the priests, and he was chosen by God. It was the high priest whose main responsibility was to offer a sacrifice in the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement. You'll remember the high priest could only enter that Holy of Holies on a specific day. In a specific way, right? Only wearing certain clothes and he could only offer a certain sacrifice as well. You see, the role of the high priest was the mediator for the Jews before the God. It was the high priest who would enter the presence of God on behalf of the people. It was the high priest who would offer a sacrifice for the people, and it was only the high priest who could go in to make atonement for the sins of the people. And so, the author of Hebrews is declaring, since we have a high, great high priest, and he tells us that his name is Jesus. This verse tells us that he has passed through the heavens. You see that in verse 14, right? Since then we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens. You see, Jesus did not merely pass through that earthly veil. He did not merely go through a curtain in the temple, but Jesus passed through the heavens before God himself, presenting himself both as priest and as sacrifice. Jesus does not go before God the Father with the blood of an earthly lamb, but he goes before God himself on behalf of his people with his own blood. His sacrifice on the cross is the payment for our sin. Yes, Jesus is a great high priest. He's not any ordinary high priest, but he is the great high priest. Notice the contrast in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. We read these words. It says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting for that time until his enemies would be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he had perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. 
You see, it was the high priest who would make that sacrifice year after year. But Christ comes, and as John the Baptist sees him, he declares, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus' one-time sacrifice is enough. The Bible tells us that after he made purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. It was finished. No more earthly lambs needed. You see, he passed through the heavens. Jesus is a great high priest, firstly, because of his great work. But secondly, notice this in verse 14 as well. Jesus is a great high priest because of his identity. Because of his identity. What does it say in verse 14? It says, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. The writer of Hebrews makes it clear. This great high priest we have is no ordinary high priest. He is the son of God. He is in a category all by himself. He is superior to all. We see this declaration of who Jesus is as the son of God throughout the scriptures, right? In Matthew chapter 14, you'll remember the story of Jesus and, and Peter and uh, walking on water. And, and at, after Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and begins to sink, Jesus reaches his hand out and saves him and says, Why, you of little faith, they get back in the boat and the storm is calmed and hear what the disciples say. Those in the boat worshiped him saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. And in Matthew 27, 54, on Jesus' death, when the, the verse says this, when the centron and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and said, truly, this was the Son of God. And one more in Matthew 17, 1 through 5. You'll remember this story. After six days, Jesus took with them Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And as he was transfigured before them, his, fo- his face excuse me, shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. When he was still speaking, when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. You see, there is only one. And his name is Jesus. He is the son of God. He is not merely a prophet. He's not merely a teacher. He's not merely an earthly figure, but he is the king of kings and he is the son of God. Jesus is a great high priest because of his identity. One more verse, Hebrews 7, 
verses 23 through 28, we see them contradict, or we see him contrasted with the high priest of the nation of Israel. Listen to the nation of Israel, the high priest of them. Stay with me now. It says the former priests were many in number, right? They would die year after year after year because they were prevented by death from continuing office. But he holds his priesthood permanently, speaking of Christ, because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Our high priest is eternal. He continues to make intercession for us despite our sinfulness. He continues to go before God the Father and says, my blood is sufficient. He is now clean and he is justified because of what I have done. Jesus is a great high priest. Thirdly, we see not only is Jesus a great high priest because of his work, because of his identity, but in verse number 15, we see another reason Jesus is a great high priest. It is because of his sympathy. His sympathy. Having just declared the greatness of our high priest, who is the Son of God, who has passed through the heavens, the author now turns to the tender side, if you will, of Christ. Jesus is full of glory. Jesus is full of majesty. But Jesus is also full of grace and kindness. Notice the double negatives in verse 15. He wants, us, he wants to make it clear. He says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. We all have weaknesses, right? We all have sins we struggle with. We all have those things we don't want other people to see. But yet Jesus comes as a normal man, fully God, but also fully human. And he says, I can sympathize with you because I too lived a, was a human being and experienced the things that we experienced. I want you to think about this with Jesus, right? We see many characteristics of Jesus and what he had to endure as being fully human, right? He was homeless and knows what it's like to be poor. His family thought he was crazy, Anybody relate to that one? His best friend turned their back on him. One of his closest confidants sold him to be killed for pocket change. He stood face to face with devil, with the devil and endured all of his de demonic tricks. He dealt with death. He endured gossip and slander. He endured suffering for righteousness' sake. He was shamed publicly. He endured periods of hunger. He received criticism of his ministry. He knows what it's like to be tired. His message was rejected. His preaching was critiqued. And his disciples didn't get it. 
You see, Jesus, he can relate to us, right? The word sympathize means to feel with, to link my feelings, my passions with someone else. It's the idea of union of one person's heart with another. In our pain, Jesus is pain. In our suffering, he feels the suffering of his own. He came as a high priest, one filled with sympathy. You see, Jesus gets it. He 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 cares for you. He is not indifferent towards you. He's not some big God up there just only worried about ruling the universe, but he cares about your weakness and temptation. You see, he sees your pain. He sees your pain. He knows you hurt. And he invites you to bring that pain He invites you to bring that suffering to him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Do you believe that this morning, that God truly cares for you? God is a God of glory. He is a God of grace, but also he is a God of kindness and sympathy. You know, I love Hebrews 5, 2. Just below it says, He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward. Jesus does not throw his hands up in disgust at sinners, but he invites sinners to come to him. Bring your mess. Bring your troubles. He is calm and soothing, and he can deal gently with you. He doesn't lash out like an angry angry parent, but has a tender heart toward his people. Will you come to Jesus today? He is able to sympathize with your weakness. Bring your troubles, your mess to him. So we see Jesus is a great high priest because of his work, his identity, his sympathy. And fourthly, we see Jesus is a great high priest because of his perfection. Because of his perfection, right? Notice the end of verse 15. He says, But one who in every respect or in every point has been tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. How can he sympathize with us? Because Jesus too was tempted. You remember the story in Matthew chapter 4, how Satan came and tempted Jesus in the wilderness, but Jesus faced every kind of temptation, yet each time was victorious. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, sweating point, sweating blood, but yet said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Think about this. Jesus faced every kind of temptation right to the very end when it is the strongest. When we deal with temptation, it gets, it gets stronger and stronger. We often give in. But Jesus never once did. Every action, every word, every thought was without sin. He was tempted in every respect or in all points. I read this week about what exactly is he 
saying, how can Jesus, right, be tempted in every single way? But there's a difference, right, between the expression of sin and the essence of sin. Expression changes over time, right? Jesus was never tempted to stay on his cell phone too long. He was never tempted to cheat on his income taxes. He was never tempted to view something on the internet that he was not supposed to. This expression of sins are unique to our time. But the essence of sin has not changed. Jesus was tempted with greed. He was tempted with lust. He was tempted with hatred and other sinful temptations. But yet through it all, he was without sin. You see, he is a great high priest for us this morning. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. John 7, 19, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. In 1 Peter 1, 22, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. What a great high priest we have, right? He is a great high priest because of his work, his identity, his sympathy, and his perfection. So, what difference does that make for us? What are some applications we can pull from this text? We see them clearly in verse 14 and verse 16. Two commands we see given here. The first in verse 14, it says, Let us hold fast our confession. Since we have this great high priest, let us hold fast to our confession. Hold fast, right? You get the idea to hold firmly on, to not let go, to don't give up. It's the imagery of hanging on a rope for dear life. And, and notice what it is we are to hang on to. It says we are to hang on or hold fast to our confession. What is our confession? Our confession is not that we are so great, but our confession is that Jesus had done it for us and he is so great. Our confession is that Jesus is our high priest and our confession is that the gospel is what we are to hold fast to. We need to remind ourselves of the good news of the gospel daily, right? We are all people of need of grace. We have all sinned. We all deserve God's punishment. We all make wrong decisions, but Jesus comes and Jesus takes the punishment for us. And Jesus is the one we must look to. And by faith in him, we can be united with him and we can be forgiven and receive his righteousness today. Hold fast, not to our own works, but hold fast to Christ himself and his work. So the first application is look to Christ. But notice the second one we see In verse number 16, it says, let us draw near to the throne of grace. Draw near to the throne of grace. He said, let us. 
Now, this isn't just for the high priest, for the, for the holy man, the, the, the Catholic priest. No, it is for all those who are in Christ. His invitation is a command, and it is a beautiful privilege that he gives us to draw near to him. Where is it that we are to draw near? Where is it, does it say? He says, we are to draw near to the throne of grace. The throne, right? When you think about the throne, the throne is a place of power. The throne is a, is a place of, of, of fear for many. It's a place where you're going before someone who has the, the power to, to offer life or death. You'll remember the story of Esther, right? Esther goes before the king. She has the people proclaim a fast because to go before the king was to risk your life. And of all people, right, who have something to be fearful of, we approach a God who is holy, holy, holy. A God who has the power to do as he pleases. And his requirement before coming to him is perfection. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. But yet, because of Jesus, because we have such high, such great a high priest, we can enter before the throne of Almighty God. He invites you to draw near to him. Come to him in prayer. Experience him. Draw near and notice where it is. It is a throne of grace. Draw near to the throne of grace. Nothing is required for you to bring. What a privilege we have. We are invited right into the throne room of almighty God. He's inviting you into his presence. A a throne of grace for all to come. You see, prayer is not a burden, but it is a privilege and an opportunity to go before the one who holds the earth in his hands. And we see where we're to go, to the throne of grace. But notice how we can go. He says, with confidence or with boldness we can go to the throne. We can come before the king and we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be fearful or scared of saying the wrong thing, but we can speak honestly before God. We can come before him boldly as a result of our confidence in our great high priest's sacrifice for us. Our boldness is not, become, is not because of what we've done, but is our boldness comes from being in Christ. Boldness, we can come constantly. We can come without reservation. We can come without fancy words. We can come as we are. Where to we, we to go? We're to go to the throne of grace. 
How are we to go? We can go boldly. And why are we to go? Look at the end of verse 16. It says that we might receive mercy and find grace. Oh, don't we need mercy? Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. And grace is receiving that which you do not deserve. And in our time of need, God's timing is perfect. He will deliver it to us. That we may receive mercy and find grace and help in our time of need. Oh, we have a great high priest. I love this quote by Robert Murray McShane. He says, if I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, I would not fear a million enemies. Yet distance make no difference. He is praying for me. This morning, do you recognize who Christ is and what he has done for you? Do you recognize what a privilege we have that we can go before the throne of grace? We have a great high priest. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege to come to you in prayer because of your son, Jesus Christ, and his death and resurrection for us. God, I pray that you would help us to see the the privilege that we have in coming to you in prayer And God, that you would help us to seek you and find grace and receive mercy in our time of need. This morning I asked you what struggle, what pain, what area of your life do you have need of? Is it a spiritual need? Is it a physical need? Is it a relationship need is that a I have it all together and don't even recognize my own need God would you show us our need of you and help us help us father God you are our great God, and we thank you for your son who is the great high priest. And God, help us to seek you. Burn our hearts that we might that we might long to know you and to experience you and receive grace and find mercy. Would we go to the throne of God? We can because of Jesus. Oh God. We praise you. 
God, I pray for each person here and each person listening, Father, that you would just speak to our hearts and help us to seek you. God, we love you and we thank you for all you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.